Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, today is family month, 2021. Today is our first day right here in the pulpit, celebrating family life, 2021. And believe me, we have so much to be grateful for. You know that, I know that. You're here today, and I'm here today. No casualties. To God be all the glory. Shall we pray? We thank you, Lord, you are faithful, faithful, Lord. We thank you, Lord, you are faithful, faithful, God. And forever you are God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And forever you are God. Hallelujah. 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 And forever you are God. In Jesus' name, Abba Father, we worship you. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the creator of the entire universe. You alone are God. None is like you. And none will forever be like you. We magnify your name, O God, at this time. Above whatever situation and circumstance there is. We magnify your name. The way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the covenant keeper. Jehovah, you're the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. The modern enough God. You're the omnipotent. You're the omniscient. Father, you've known from the foundation of this world that will be here today. We just want to bless your name. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for every family in this church. Every family represented in this church. For everyone watching us, worshiping with us online. Our Father, we thank you for our families. We thank you for your love, your faithfulness in keeping us throughout this time. Father, you are awesome. You are indeed awesome and you're faithful. Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful because you cannot deny yourself. Father, we give you praise. And we thank you for this glorious opportunity and privilege to stand before you again today. Daddy, once again, I commit everything that will be said here from my mouth into your hands. Take absolute control of my tongue, my lips, my mouth, and use them to your glory to do that which you've purposed for us today. All of you, none of me, blessed be thy name. Spirit of the living God, just have your way. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Praise God. 
And so last week we started, I know, today is part two. And our topic, serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. And so we read Psalm 100. And our main verse was verse two. And then today I want us to look at verse three. But I'll start from two. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know, perceive, recognize, and understand with approval. That's with gratitude. That the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. And we are his. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Praise God. And so right there we have Ephesians 2.10. And I'll read. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. That means his masterpiece. We are his triumph. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking parts which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Praise the Lord. He says, we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. You're his triumph. You're his workmanship. You know, when he says his masterpiece, that one, I believe that one will bless you the more, right? Yes, that's what it is. And he says because, because of this, we should praise him, glorify his name. Let us look at Psalm, Isaiah 12, 1 to 6, and I'll quickly read. He says, Right here, while I started reading it, you will see what this thing has been prophesied long time ago, before you were in existence. The prophet Isaiah really spoke about you today. And he knew that our life would be a life of what? Thanksgiving and praise for God's glorious work in our lives. So let me read Isaiah 12, 1 to 6. It says, and in that day you will say, oh Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me because God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For yeah, the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Praise the Lord. And this is our portion, right? It says you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. This is rightly described. From the wells of salvation, you will draw that water and you will keep drawing in the name of Jesus. 
I want us to look at now, go up to Ephesians 2 again. I'll start from 8 now. For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved. And it goes to tell you what saved is. Delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourself, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. Then back again to verse 10. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, his masterpiece, his triumph. You are recreated. You are God's masterpiece. You know why? You are recreated, a recreated spirit, recreated in Christ Jesus. You're born anew that you may do those good works which he already predestined for you to do beforehand. Praise the Lord. You are God's handwork. You should be walking. You, you know, I, I began to tell my husband, I said, no wonder, you know, in those days when I didn't know better, I see these people, scripture union people, Pardon me, Sister Carol. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, what is it with them that they always carry their heads high? Walking as if nobody else mattered to them. They felt like they're, they're at the top of the world. And I didn't understand it until I became born again. Because you are who? The princess. You're a prince. You're a princess. Our sister will say, Adeze. The daughter of the Most High God. You know what royalty means? Those of you that watch Nigerian movies, you know what royalty means? Some of us have them, you know, but we are what? Royalties. Divine ones. Royalties from on high. Praise the Lord. You are a royalty, an, an extraordinary one, a special one from heaven. You are a royalty. That is why you should hold your head high because you know the God whom you serve. He's your father. The king of kings is your father. The lord of lords is your father. Praise the lord. So you are supposed as God's masterpiece, his triumph, you should be, you are satisfactory to him. You are satisfied, you met his expectation. He met his expectation in you. You fulfill the expectations or his needs, you are acceptable to him. You are accepted in the beloved. He is pleased with you. He loves you dearly. That's how God sees you. That's how he sees me too. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You are a royalty. You are a royalty. Divine one. Amen. You are a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. This is what God has done for you. That is what the salvation we're talking about has done for you. So do you still, do you now believe, do you now recognize, do you perceive it and understand with gratitude that you're a masterpiece, God's masterpiece. Praise the Lord. One in whom he's delighted in. Let us say Ephesians 1.3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. 
the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All because he sees us wrapped into Christ. He sees you wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Every moment, like we're saying last week, should be a time of celebration for you. Because you're a royalty. Because he sees you wrapped in Christ, into Christ. You need to know what those spiritual blessings are that he has blessed you with. And with gratitude, you celebrate them every day. David knew. He said, I will never give to him whatever does not cost me something. And that's what God did. He gave you his best. His very beloved son. That is what it cost him to get you into this royalty position. Praise the Lord. May we not allow the sufferings of Christ, his death on that cross, to be in vain. He wants us to know and to understand our rights and our privileges in redemption. He wants you to experience the full benefits of redemption. And so you will. You know, it is the same thing that Philemon was telling us. The book of Philemon 1.6 says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective and powerful because of your accurate knowledge of every good thing which is yours in Christ. He says your faith becomes effective. The sharing of that faith. You know why? Because of that accurate knowledge that you have. The accurate knowledge of every good thing which is yours in Christ. So it behoves you to go and get the accurate knowledge of who, who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, praise the Lord, so that you now enjoy the full benefits of redemption, praise God. On the other hand, the Bible, you know, Hosea says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's a choice. Do you want to bend down, study the word of God and see what your rights and privileges are in Christ? Let's Ephesians 1.7. We're going to move a little bit faster. He says, in him we have our redemption. In him we have redemption. That is our deliverance. In that text, what redemption is. He says, that is our deliverance and salvation. And we know our salvation includes healing, prosperity, preservation, soundness, deliverance, all of them. So he says, deliverance and salvation through his blood. This redemption was through his blood, which paid the penalty of our sin. That blood paid the penalty of our sin and resulted in the forgiveness, complete forgiveness, complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his glory, his grace. I like the way MSG put it too. He says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, the blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people free of penalties and punishments chopped up by all our misdeeds. He says, I'm not barely free. You are abundantly free. Hallelujah. So redemption is a done deal. You're not expecting it tomorrow or in the next hundred years. No, we already have it. As soon as you got born again, you got your redemption. Before salvation, Satan was in control of your life, of my life. But as soon as you got born again, Satan lost control and dominion over your life. Say hallelujah. He lost his supremacy. He lost his rule, his dominion over, our, over your life and my life. 
you know, MSG says you are a free people, free of all the penalties, free from the punishment that was accumulated by all your misdeeds. We have remission, forgiveness of our offenses, our shortcomings, our trespasses. We are free. We have freedom for real. The Bible says if the Son of God will set you free, you are free indeed. Praise the Lord. It is according to the riches of his grace through his blood. You ought to be rejoicing every day you live. Learn to rejoice that you are saved. You've been redeemed through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been delivered once and for all from the penalty of all your sins. You shouldn't be afraid of the consequences. We should not be of the con- afraid of the consequences of our sins because they are blotted out. They are wiped out. Praise the Lord. You know, he says, your sins and your lawless deeds, he will remember no more. God will never again be angry with you. You can read that up in Hebrews 8, 12 and Hebrews 10, 17 to 18. Let's quickly go to Colossians. He's still saying the same thing. He has rescued, saved us, and has drawn us to himself from the dominion, the control of darkness. Darkness has lost control over your life. He has lost that dominion. Never again will he have dominion. Because now he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You've been translated, transferred. He cannot go beyond his own jurisdiction. He can't go beyond it and come into where you are. No, Christ reigns. That is where Christ reigns. Amen. So you have your redemption because of his sacrifice that resulted again in the forgiveness of our sins. That is Colossians. He saved us, MSG says, from dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the son that he loves so much. The son who got, out, got us out of the pit where we were, we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Praise the Lord. It is an awesome, when you talk about redemption, you should be rejoicing. You know, I read, sometimes when, you're, uh, when I'm free, I just want to go through all these different translations and get the gist of this whole thing, apart from the Holy Spirit ministering, giving you revelation, knowledge. Sometimes also I'm excited. And I found this one. It's called PEV. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure they have it, but I'm going to read it. It says, you just listen. It's so, it's so real. It's so fun. It's down to it. It says, you know, the boss over the bad spirits always used to push us to do bad things. It's like we were in a bad place where he is the boss. But God sent his son, Jesus, to get us out of that place. He took the payback for us so that now God will not punish us. He set us free from that bad boss and now we belong to the family of God's son. God loves his son, Jesus, very much. And I'm like, wow, praise the Lord. So you are delivered out of the authority and control. Know that today, no longer will the enemy, will darkness, will, you know, have dominion over you. You have to know that darkness has lost out, lost control, lost dominion, and cannot control you any longer. Amen. May God help us to key, key in, in all that God has done for us into our redemption rights and privileges.
Let's see, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 21. It says, although, say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away because new things have come. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. You know, it is the will of God. It is his desire for us to just key into this soul thing and begin to enjoy the fullness of this new creation that we are, the privileges of the new creation. All things have passed away. Yeah, and I was thinking about it. If I've been grafted into him, that vine, I've lost, the old person is lost. It's a new person now. Getting the life and nature of that vine, right? Everything the vine takes in goes through to me, the branch. I've been grafted. I'm a different person completely. My new life comes from that vine. Praise the Lord. That is what this new product is. That is what you are. And then you begin to tell yourself when you read this, yes, begin to claim it. See yourself as that, as that new product. Finished. Getting life, nutrient, everything from the vine where you've been grafted into. Praise the Lord. All things, all those habits. says your old moral life is gone. But now, and your old spiritual condition, they're all gone. So that lack will never again rule your life. Lack, want, sickness, disease, poverty, backwardness, no do well. These things are things of the past. We need to rise up and key into what the Lord has done and stand our ground and say no. Because the Bible says, whatsoever things you allow here on earth, is also allowed in heaven. But the things you disallow here on earth is already disallowed in heaven. Praise the Lord. It works. Stand and rise and fight for that which rightly belongs to you. Praise the Lord. God wants us to enjoy the fullness of this new creation. Then look at verse 21. It says, we are his righteousness. It says, he made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be seen on our behalf so that in him we will become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. God laid upon him your sin. Him who knew no sin. The Bible says God made him to be seen. He made him to be seen. Praise the Lord. And yet he knew no sin. So God laid upon him our sins. And when he laid upon him, he laid also all of us upon him, all of you upon him. Your diseases, they were laid on him. He made him to be seen. So that we, it's a divine exchange, you will now become the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, when God laid your sin upon him, when he laid my sin upon him, he became sin. And we became the righteousness of God. That righteousness now gives us the privilege of standing before God. The God whose eyes are too holy to behold iniquity. But now we have the privilege to stand before him as if we never sinned. As if you never sinned. You have a right standing before him. He gave you 
that righteousness. And then he became sin. Now you have his nature, that righteousness. Righteousness just comes from that new creation. That is why I said you should rejoice. You should rejoice in that new creation work that God did. When you're born again, you now receive the life and the nature of God the Father. You have his nature. You have his righteousness. Praise the Lord. And then he gives us all the privilege we need to come before him to make, do whatever we want to do and put a demand on his presence. Praise the Lord. You receive that nature. You have his righteousness. You belong to his family. Arise and begin to walk in righteousness. And no, no longer be sin conscious. God has taken care of that one by putting it on Christ. Taking care of sin, diseases, putting them on Christ. Now we are free. That is how God sees you. I don't know, that is how he sees you. We have to rise to the place where indeed we we'll no longer be afraid of diseases because he laid it on Christ. I will no longer feel condemned by sin because he already took care of it, laying it on Christ. 1 John 5, 12 to 13 says, whoever has a son has eternal life. That's what I'm saying. You have eternal life. That's the nature we're talking about. You possess it. You have it now. He says, I've written this, verse 13, this letter to you who, have, who believe in the name of the Son of God that you will be assured and know without a doubt, know without a doubt that you have the nature of God. You have eternal life in you. Praise the Lord. Because you have that nature of God, that spirit. You now have the ability of God in you. <laughs> you better believe it. If you, want, if you choose to believe it, then you will run with it. But when you start in the place of doubt, how can little me? You didn't do it. He says the spirit of him, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is in you. Are you going to say it's not in you? No. And he that raised Christ from the dead, let me finish that sentence. We now quicken your mortal bodies by that spirit that dwells in you. If you're here this morning, I want you to rise. When you go home, rise up. Go to that scripture. Meditate on it. The spirit of him, I think it's in Romans 8, 11, that raised Christ from the dead is in you. That ability of God, the same ability that raised Christ from the dead is in you, is in me. We should always rejoice. God did it for us. That is why he says, draw, go ahead. you should be able to draw and draw to your satisfaction from the pool, from the well of salvation. It never goes dry. Praise the Lord. Healing belongs to you. First Peter 2.24. He personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree as an altar, as on an altar, and offered himself on it that we might die Cease to exist to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For the first time I appreciated this translation. Now I'm dead to sin. I'm, I cease to exist to sin. Sin cannot follow you beyond the grave. You're dead. You died with Christ. You're buried with him. That is the boundary. He can't go beyond that. And now you've risen unto a new person. A life unto righteousness. Grace is our new husband, and the law cannot go beyond it. He cannot go beyond the grave to cross over and come and exercise his authority. No, because you are dead to it. You are dead, you are dead to it, right? But you are alive unto a new husband, grace. 
and today you are alive unto righteousness. Praise the Lord. So your healing is a done deal. That's what I'm trying to say. And when you confess it, you have to hold fast to that confession, no matter the assault of the enemy. Keep holding fast. By his stripes, I was healed. Jesus, God laid my sin on him. He made him sin with my sin. He made him sick with my diseases. So I can no longer suffer from any disease because he laid them on Christ. And guess what? When he resurrected, he took them away. He did what? He took away. He took away the sickness and disease. Praise the Lord. He put it away. Amen. So Jesus made sick. He was made sick with our sickness. He was made sin with our sin. God dealt with sin and sickness right there. Because when sin is gone, sickness is gone. From the same source. The same master, Satan. Praise the Lord. So it's no longer... oh. Problem with God doesn't have any problem with sickness. He dealt with it by laying it on on, on Jesus. It's now how much of this do we even realize? How much of this are we meditating on? How much of these benefits and rights are we trying to you know claim, grab? You're not fighting to get them. It's already a done deal. It's for you, it's a choice to be where you are or to move up and no longer be where you used to be. You may not have gotten where you want to be. Pastor did teach us about faith, right? All those levels, you're going there, you're getting there, you're no longer, just don't be where you were. Keep moving. You will get there in Jesus' name. Jesus. And then, you know, when, when John was saying, this is the lamp of the world, the lamp of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. For the first time I saw it here, whoa, that's what substitute is. He became the sin substitute. That's what he was. Sickness substitute. I said, wow. God, I don't want the only mental ascent. I want to have revelation knowledge. And that's what I pray, that God will open our eyes, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of all that he has done for us. May God grant us that spirit of wisdom and revelation. The unfolding of his word, the word unfolded to us. We will see it from our heart and we will receive it. And we see the victory physically. Amen. Amen. So surely has borne our grief. Jesus bore it. He's borne your sicknesses. Some translations say the sorrows, the suffering. Your grief, I know, is sickness. And one I read said your diseases, your sorrows are your um, diseases. Your grief and your sorrows. Okay, but all I know is that the sickness is gone, disease is born, it's been carried away, and today I'm free. You are free. Sickness and disease will no longer lord it over you in Jesus' name. He left with sin. Sickness and disease left with sin. They've been laid on Christ. Satan has been defeated. He can no longer lay any disease or sickness upon us. We will not let that happen. The battle has been won for us. So you are born again. You are in Christ. You are a conqueror. Say amen. amen. You are free from condemnation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the fullness of God in Christ. You are complete in him. We know all this. The time has come. 
for us to arise and put away inferiority complex and begin to walk, walk in righteousness, in the finished walk of the Christ, of the cross of Calvary. Amen. Okay, let's go quickly to, now that you know all this, I come again to thanksgiving. Let's see Colossians 2, 6 to 7. It says, as you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives and conduct yourselves in union. Regulate your life. Conduct yourselves in union with and in conformity to him. Have the roots of your uh, being firmly and deeply planted in him fixed and founded on him, being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as we were taught, and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. You, you saw what we read in that. Isaiah saw it. Are you rejoicing? Are you abounding? Are you overflowing? Praise the Lord. Let us look at Jeremiah. Um, praise the Lord. So we should never stop giving thanks, no matter what. Even in adversity, we are to give thanks. Give thanks always. We should never stop abounding and overflowing in in it, with thanksgiving. You can be joyful, even more joyful than people around you in adversity. And some people say, how can that be? You don't know what I'm passing through. Like we said last time, look at Jeremiah 17, 8. And that is our theme, family month theme for this year. It says, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and he shall not see and fear when heat comes, but it shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought, nor shall it cease yielding fruit. Adversity or no adversity or yielding fruit in Jesus' name. Job twenty two twenty nine 29 says, when men are cast down, then thou shalt say there is lifting up and he shall save the humble person. But remember, you should continue abounding in thankfulness. This one, the Lord just, this scripture just came to me. I was so joyful. I kept on thinking about it. Psalm 4, 7. He says, you have put more joy and rejoicing in my heart than they know when their wheat and new wine have yielded abundantly. You put more joy. The Lord will put more joy. Anytime there's adversity, the Lord is putting more joy in you. More than others around you that you think they are better. You have more joy. TPT said, the intense pleasure you give me surpasses the gladness of harvest time. The pleasure God will bring your way, whatever comes, those adversities, will surpass the harvest time of others around you that are harvesting, that are making money. But God is giving you joy unshakable, full of glory. Even more than when the harvesters gaze upon their ripened grain and when their new wine overflows, God is giving you more and more pleasure and every cause to rejoice. Amen. And so let us look at an evidence of that. Second Corinthians 4, 17. Um, I think I'll just quickly go to 
but for lack of time, I'll just do 2 Corinthians 6, 4 to 10. I'll just read a few verses. As servants of God, um, we're looking at Paul's ministry commended. His ministry was commended, just like you will be commended too when you're passing through that adversity, that period of dryness. It's for others, it's not for you. Praise the Lord. Paul said, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. In afflictions, in hardships, in calamity, in beatings, imprisonment, in riots, in labor, sleepless night, hunger. And then he begins to talk about how? By purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness. You begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in there. But look at the catching phrase. It comes to verse 10. It says, as sorrowful. Let's miss that from 9. As unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold, we live. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me see that verse. I quickly said it, but let me even look it up. Praise God. Let's look at Nehemiah. So we do not look at circumstances. We're not looking at the evidence of our senses, how we feel, what we are seeing, what we are hearing, what we are feeling. Whatever is passing, whatever you're passing through, whatever the enemy brings, throws at you, focus. Your focus on the object of that, your faith on Christ. Your focus on the word of God. Your joy is not based on circumstances. Your joy is based on him. He is faithful. What did he say? And you stand. So you rejoice. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For today is holy to our Lord. Neither be sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why I was talking about rejoicing in the Lord. No wonder he says rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Your strength your strength comes from that rejoicing, the joy of the Lord. It's already in you. Everybody has it. That joy, like we read last week. The more you rejoice in the Lord, the more strength you have. It's like oil of gladness. It's like the oil you apply on a machine that causes it to just move smoothly. That is this oil, the, the, the joy of the Lord. The more you rejoice, the more you serve the Lord, in gladness, the more you are strong, the stronger you become. You begin to see less strength because you have less joy. But that will never be our portion. Do you know that even doctors are now finding out? Let's look at Proverbs 17:22. It says, A merry heart doeth good like medicine, and a broken spirit dry the bones. Then TPT says, A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. And you begin to wonder why God says, as you're serving me, abound in joy, in you know, gratitude, in thankfulness. Abound. God knows what he's doing. Joy is critical to your physical well-being. That is why he says rejoice, and I say again rejoice. Even medical science are now finding out that health is related to your emotions. 
And I was reading one. I just wrote a letter. It says, benefits of feeling more joy. It promotes a healthier lifestyle. It boosts your immune system. It fights stress and pain. It supports longevity. Medical science is now waking up. Praise the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, I want to tell you, you may not be, even if you're, you're serving the Lord directly in the church, yes. But wherever you are, you're serving the Lord. As a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a parent, you're serving the Lord. As a teacher, as an educator, whatever you are, you serve the Lord. You're serving in Colossians 2, Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever may be your task, walk at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. You mother, serve your children, serve your husband, you wife, as something done unto the Lord. Husband, serve. That servant, that uh, spirit of servanthood is what I'm asking for. Serve whatever you're doing in the church, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family. Know that you're not doing it for any man. You're doing it who? Unto the Lord. He says, whatever your task may be, walk at it heartily. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. That inheritance, the one whom you are actually serving is the Lord Christ, the Messiah. Whatever you're doing, I don't know wherever you think you are, that you're not in the church. No, he says whatever the tax may be. You're serving the Lord. Colossians 3, 15 to 17. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of one body. And always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures to you as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and with festive praises with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your heart. Let every activity of your life and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. Praise the Lord. It's a command. Romans 12 1 says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to walk and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Praise the Lord. Embrace it. Sacrificing. Offering your entire body to him as a living sacrifice. That is the best service he's asking. Praise the Lord. Well pleasing to him. It's your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So when you are serving the Lord, he says, or in the church, I mean especially when you're in the ministry, look at First Timothy. He says, we are appointed to serve God by Jesus. Nobody called you. It's not the senior pastor. He is the one that appointed you, whatever that task may be. He appointed you in this church. It's not you. Nobody called you. He appointed you. 
character when you serve him. Please look at all he's done. Look at your redemption and what will stop you. You are free. Look at throughout this coronavirus. None of us was lost. Healthy. Every day you wake up in the morning. Think about people who were not able to wake up. When you're eating that meat in America and drinking all the juice and wine, think about people who are not able to even open their mouth to eat and to drink. My brother-in-law was in the hospital. I was with him. He was given three months to live. Two months he was gone. But when I saw him, when they put a hole on that stomach of his and ran a tube from inside to out, and then they put a bag, I said, what is that for? They said, so whatever he takes goes out through that pipe. And I said, why? He said, everything is cankered. He can't keep anything down, not even fluid, not even water. Since that day, I knew what it means. When you get your food, you say grace. You thank God for it, for provision. And then you thank God that you are able to eat it. Ability to eat. Don't take it for granted. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so, uh, John 12, 26. He says, our service is honored by God if we follow Jesus. Everything we do should be in conformity, conforming wholly to his example in living and if need be in dying. Everything you should do, you do. Let it be. What will Jesus do in this situation? What will he say in this situation? And that's John 12, 26. I don't have the time to read that. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Remain steadfast in your obedient service. The blessings that you're talking about, they all come through obedience. The blessing comes through obedience. There's nothing that makes you walk better with God that, like obedience, obeying God. What does he say to do as a husband? How do you treat your wife? How do you treat your mother? How do you treat your daddy? How do you treat those children? How do you treat your husband, your boss? Obey what the word of God says. For in obeying comes the blessing. Amen. Always walk enthusiastically for the Lord. Why? For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Praise the Lord. And then in these remaining minutes, I'll just keep everything and just quickly go down to the no-nos of serving God. We've been seeing all that God says to do as we serve him. And we've seen the blessings, some of the blessings. But now I want us to look at the things that God doesn't want us to do as we serve him. First of all, your motive for serving him should be love. Love, out of love. Like Paul said, the love of God compels me, controls me. Are you loving? No matter what you do, and you don't do it in love, it's meaningless. Praise the Lord. No matter what you give to somebody, no matter what you do for somebody, if you don't do it in love, it is meaningless. He wants us to serve him. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us. The agape kind of love. Praise the Lord. Um, let us look at Philippians 2, 3 to 5 and 14. It says, do nothing as you're serving God. Do nothing from fractional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, unworthy ends, 
or prompted by deceit, by conceit, and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each of you regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourself. Praise the Lord. So let the attitude and purpose and humble mind, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, even as we serve the Lord. Pride is awful. Faction, forming parties, division. Paul talked about it. Says it is what? It is carnality. Worldliness. There's no godliness in him, in it. When we are making, you know, creating divisions in the, you know, in the household of God. Factions. God said, this is a no-no. Do all things without murmuring, disputes, grumbling, fault-finding, complaining. Put yourself, check yourself. How are you serving the Lord with your spouse, your parents, your children, your boss? Are you serving him with murmuring, disputes, fault-finding, complaining? Because he says it is God. You're doing it unto God. Be ever on guard against grudging and contentious spirits. And you find that a lot in the house of God. Praise the Lord. And you know, when you murmur against the leaders or against whoever is leading you, your pastor, your leaders, he says you're murmuring against God. And that's Numbers 14, 27. Praise God. And then he begins to tell us why. What pride is awful. Pride is an awful thing. Honestly, it, let's, let's see some scriptures quickly. Proverbs 19.13. Let's look at what translation did I use? Okay. I can't find the translation. It says, um, a foolish son brings a flood of troubles to his father and a complaining wife which MSD called nagging, is like a constant dripping of water. You know how irritating, how annoying it can be. Pum, 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 it never stops. Pum, you put the something there. Pum, my little granddaughter said, oh, grandma, this guy is so, this boy is so annoying. And I'm thinking, what does Amanda know about annoying? He's so annoying. I said, come and see annoying. That dripping of water, that is the real annoyance. It will not stop. That is how you are to, a, you know, to your spouse. A, control, a, a nagging husband and wife. That is how you are. Very annoying. He said it's better. Proverbs 21. He says it is better to live alone. Proverbs 21, 9. To live alone in a tumble down, very bad condition, especially in a state of decay, dilapidated, than share a mansion with a nagging spouse. Oh, you would rather go and live in that dilapidated building than to share that mansion. So we should beware. How can you be serving God and your murmuring, your grumbling? If your child is doing something for you, somebody wants to give you a helping hand or doing something you ask them to do, and they're grumbling, they're dragging their feet, they're not even happy about it, you say, ah, let me do it myself, right? That is how it is with God. You cannot serve him with grumbling and murmuring and complaining and fault-finding. Praise God. So we should be very careful. Our lives should be lives of peace. 
And if you're trying to make peace, you yourself should be a peacemaker. Strive for peace. You don't just try to make peace and you're, you know, you're not even, you're a troublemaker. I, I, that's something I read. I'm trying to find it. What a troublemaker does. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When you have a troublemaker in your midst, I mean, if you don't remove that person, you have all kinds of things happening because everything is trouble. She brings about complaining, grumbling, murmuring, fault finding, everything. And you know, James 4.1 tells us, he says, what leads to strife, discord and feuds? And how do, you, how do conflicts, quarrels and fightings originating among, originate among you? Do they not arise from your sensual desires that are ever warring in your bodily members? Don't say it is that person. She's very annoying. She says, I cannot work with them. No. It's something on the inside of you that is rising against them. It's pride. It's warring. Something you cannot have. Somebody else has it. It is pride. Don't say this person. You just, you just cannot walk with them. No, it's you. It's you. Look at yourself. It comes from the inside of you. If you say you cannot stand somebody, look at yourself very well. The problem is you. One finger is pointing. The other four, they are pointing at you. Praise the Lord. So Proverbs 22.10. In this church, women, be careful. It says, say goodbye to a troublemaker and you will say goodbye to, begin to read, quarrels, strife, tension, arguments. <laughs> because it says, because a troublemaker traffics in shame. They don't know what shame is. She can fight. She can yell. She can, and yet we were taught in school then that a lady is meant to be seen. And not to be heard, but not with a troublemaker. Where that troublemaker is, he says, take care, remove them. Otherwise, what will happen? When you say goodbye to them, no more quarrels, no more strife, no more tension, no more arguments. Everything is gone. Peace will reign. Amen? So be careful if the Bible is talking. And God hates strife. Everything that works against the unity that Jesus Christ lived for and talked about. He said that they may be one just like we are one. Whatever works against it will not stand. When you walk against that unity, bringing strife, factions, division, quarreling, you're walking against the church, you're walking against God himself. Praise the Lord. You have to walk in love. Everything, you serve him in love. And whatever stands against love, stands against God. That is what God is, love. Amen. Finally, let me just quickly read this before the Holy Communion. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18. It says, even though the fig tree have no blossoms, have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Amen. We will serve the Lord in gladness. Come rain, come shine. Shall we pray? Our Father, we just bless you. Thank you, Lord. You've brought your word again. I pray that this word will permeate every heart that has had it today. And this word will indeed bear fruit hundred folds in the lives of your children. 
that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified and that our joy may be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.